We are learning Sefer Mishlei, Perek Beis. We are up to Pasuk Tes, so chapter 2, verse 9. Um, if you're joining us on the Zoom, Perek Beis, Pasuk Tes. Just going to hit record on that. Okay. So we're talking about the benefits of Chachma, what Chachma does to you. Uh, how to acquire Chachma, we talked about, now we're talking about what the benefits of Chachma are. So, Pasuk test says like this, Oz, Tavin, Tzedek, Umishpat, then you will understand Tzedek, Umishpat. Uh, tzedek is righteousness, Mishpat is justice. Umesharim, call Magal Tov, and uh, <coughs> all Magal means a circuitous, circuitous, what is it? Circuitous. Circuitous, yeah, that's a hard word to pronounce. Circuitous root um, are straight. So, interesting verse. You're going to understand tzedek umish, but you're going to understand righteousness and justice, and all of your circuitous roots will be straight. Okay, let's let's Mm -hmm. unpack that. Um, let's first talk about Sedek and Mishpat. The world loves to talk about justice and righteousness and justice and social justice and all sorts of justice. The world's very into that. Um, <clears throat> the, the term here is Tavin Sedek and Mishpat. You'll understand. Um, how hard is it to understand justice? Isn't justice something very simple? Isn't it something you can just put on a slogan and put on a put on a sign in your front lawn and demand justice? Right? Isn't isn't well? Obviously not. Obviously, justice is not something which is, you know, uh, if it could be distilled onto a a, a placard or a lawn sign, um, there's nothing that really much has to be understood. Uh, justice is something that needs to be understood. Mishpat uh, is something that needs to be, needs to be understood. Righteousness is something that has to be understood. Um, I want to I want to point out something very interesting. Um, <coughs> today, the world uses the word justice to describe something along the lines of vengeance or vigilantism. The word mishpat really has less to do with carrying out punishment or setting things right in the world and it more to do with actually respecting boundaries. Um, <coughs> Rav Hirsch describes the basic ideas of, of Ahava and Mishpat, the ideas of, of, of love and the ideas of, of, of Mishpat in a very general, general sense, in a very profound sense that Mishpat is where everything has its boundaries And Ahava is everything working together. And he describes basically everything in the world has these two faculties. Take nature, for example. Every plant in nature, every element in nature, every animal in nature has its role as its thing that it does to make the ecosystem work. So on the one hand, everything is distinct. The distinctiveness. A tree is a tree. Grass is grass. Water is water. Elements are elements. And they don't mix and mingle with other ones. That's mishpat, that each thing has its proper place, its proper role, 
or respecting boundaries. Ahava is the notion that everything comes together. These are basic foundational concepts that exist in the world. Um, when when Hirsch uses the word justice, he basically means this concept of what does it mean to, to, to understand justice? It means to understand the role that everything plays in the world, the, the delineation between everything, the demarcation between everything. That's what justice is. And an Ava love at its core is the harmonious working together of all those various parts. So you could have mishpat without justice, meaning you could have a situation where you have a bunch of different elements that are distinct and separate that don't work together. You could also theoretically have ava without mishpat, which is basically a hodgepodge of things which are all kind of homogenous and, and not distinct and not clearly defined, uh, which also isn't very efficient. The most efficient systems, the most effective systems, take an army, for example, that's well-oiled, that works, Every single part, or any machine really, every part is specialized and distinct for its role, yet it creates one big harmonious whole. That's the ideal in every system. Um, a combination of mishpat, which is distinctiveness, and ava, which is harmoniousness working together. Um, unfortunately, our world doesn't really recognize the value of mishpat, of distinctiveness. Somehow... Mishpat, the distinctiveness has become synonymous with inequity, which is beyond me how the world got there. But, but distinctiveness has nothing to do with inequity. But somehow distinctiveness became synonymous with inequity. And therefore, we have to redefine Mishpat. Because Mishpat no longer can mean distinctiveness because distinctiveness isn't a value. So therefore, what does justice mean? Justice simply means payback for those that harm me or those that I don't like, uh, which, to be perfectly honest, is almost not even a human role within the mishpat process. Let me explain what I mean. We don't believe that we're the ultimate arbiters of justice. It's not our job to see to it that justice is served. There's a God in the world, the ultimate judge. Yes, there's a court, and yes, there's a Besden, and yes, there's rules of Besden, and Besden sometimes has to carry out certain punishments. But the notion that it's Besden's responsibility to see to it that justice is made right in the world, right? Or that it's any human being's responsibility to see to it that justice is made right in the world. No, it's not our responsibility to see to it. We have certain jobs to do, and, and there's certain cases where when we see injustice, we have to act. But the burden of, you know, carrying out ultimate justice in the world is not on humanity. That's on Hashem. That's Hashem's job. So not only do we not define mishpat the way the world does, and the world defines justice as carrying out, setting things right, so to speak. Not only do we not see that as the definition of mishpat, it's not even part of the definition of mishpat. Um, so again, when we talk about mishpat, we're talking about respecting boundaries. We're talking about respecting the fact that everything is what it is. That, yes, men are men and women are women. And yes, you know, old people are old, young people are young. And different people have different strengths. And there's leaders and there's followers. And there's, there's rich people and there's poor people. And there's, there's everything that exists exists with, with a balance, with a dichotomy and, and, and structures and, and boundaries and distinctions. Isn't that fractured? No, that's where Ava comes in. We're all working harmoniously towards the same goal. 
But distinctiveness is not at all an impediment towards harmony. Distinctiveness is actually, if it's under the same rubric, the same umbrella, uh, is actually the best way to achieve harmony. Well, yes. So, when saying that Bastian is not responsible for carrying out ultimate justice, correct? Would you say that Bastian is responsible for carrying out duty? Yeah, Bastian has a duty. Bastian has okay. a role to play. Okay, but that that but that's its job. It's, correct. It, it's given uh, parameters of what it needs to do, but. It's not the arbiter of justice. Correct. And to the extent that something is beyond the scope of Besson's responsibilities, we don't walk away saying, oh, justice wasn't served in this case. No, it will be served. Hashem will take care of it in whatever way he sees okay. fit to take care of it. Right? So it's not... The, the litmus test of Besden, so to speak, is not, did Besden carry out justice or not? The way people perceive courts oftentimes is that. You know, it's like, it's, the, it's up to the court. Because if not for the court, or, you know... And who's going to do it? It's like, no. The court has its role, has its job. And if they do it, then fine. But if they don't, okay. So then, then that wasn't their job. And Hashem will take care of it. And, and uh, you know, you don't have to worry that, that, you know, people are getting away with things. There's no such thing as getting away with something. You know, Hashem ultimately is the ultimate judge. And he will make sure that everybody gets their just desserts. Um, so what is Mishpat then? Mishpat is not seeing to it that everything is, is set in place. Mishpat is respecting those boundaries. That's the, the basic concept of Mishpat in the world, <coughs> is that respecting boundaries. Um, now, again, we do a lot of that in court. Now, let's, let's say all, all, all monetary disputes are all about determining what those boundaries are, right? What is my property? What is your property? Where does my property begin, your property end? That's the role of a court. It, it's the same thing, really, with the role of, you know, Tomei and Tahar. It, it's creating distinctions, creating boundaries. Um, distinctions are incredibly important in this world. And that's the concept of mishpat as a whole. So when the, when, when the Pasuk talks about understanding tzedek and mishpat, this is what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, knowing how to protest or knowing how to march or knowing how to, how, how to, how to you know, take up arms and, 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 you know, carry out vengeance. That's not at all we're talking about when we talk about understanding tzedek and mishpat. Understanding tzedek and mishpat is something much more fundamental, which is understanding the role that everything has to play in the world, respecting those boundaries, um, when people don't respect those boundaries, then you get a perversion of mishpat. You get a perversion. When people steal, they're perverting mishpat. When people are unfaithful, they're perverting, perverting mishpat. They're, they're, they're crossing boundaries. They're blurring boundaries. Um, that's, that's where the sense of mishpat comes in. Uh, boundaries need to be respected. And the idea of mishpat is respecting those boundaries, respecting those distinctions that exist in the world in a very, very general sense, in a very broad sense. Okay. Um, the, the end of the Pasuk says, Mesharim kol magol tov. So what does this mean? So it's a very interesting expression. In other words, all the roundabout ways are straight. I mean, that's again, that's an oxymoron, obviously, that, that roundabout isn't straight, is the opposite of straight. And, and the point that Shlomo Melech is making is that through Chachma, one understands that it's not always the direct, the, 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 the correct route and the straight route is not always the most direct route. And oftentimes, to be straight, you have to go be roundabout. Um, one of the things you find commonly in our world, which is a, a symptom of lack of Chachma, is when people become single-issue uh, people. Or single-factor, I should say. Single-factor analysis. Right? Uh, single-factor analysis where people basically say, this is the rule, 
And this is the most important thing, and nothing else matters, and it's all about this. So we saw a lot of this uh, during COVID uh, on different sides. But one primary example was when people got up and basically said, um, you know, we're going to make every decision based upon the single factor analysis of will this save people's lives? Now, there's no question that saving lives is of high importance. But if one's just going to say, is there any chance of saving a life here, then do it without analyzing well, what are the costs on the other side? What are the chances? What are the ratios? How many people is it affecting? Multi-factor analysis. You can't just do single-factor analysis, period. That's not a, that's not a, 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 that's not out of Chachma. So a person might want to take the direct route and say, well, saving a life is important, and therefore, okay, so we have to choose the path of saving lives. It's like, that's, that's nice on, on a very simple level, but, but, but you can never make decisions using single-factor analysis. You always have to take into account the entire, uh, the entire picture. So, and, and the way to save lives may be a long roundabout one, right? And there may be other factors involved. And, and it's not, Chachma, the straight way is not always a direct way. It may be very nuanced. Person might decide, you know, do something now which doesn't seem to be the most direct way to get somewhere, but down the road it's going to have the most, it's going to have the biggest impact, right? So that Chachma teaches people that the straight way may be may be roundabout, may be circuitous. I think I've got it by now. Circuitous. Okay. Pasuk Yud. Kisabu Chachma Bilibcha. Um, when wisdom enters your heart, and knowledge becomes pleasant to your soul. This is a very interesting expression, <coughs> pleasant. Knowledge becomes pleasant. But the nature of wisdom is that the more a person, again, not just intellectually, uh, but the more a person um, internalizes chachma, internalizes wisdom, it will become pleasant. It's something that becomes pleasant um, to where a person can actually get a sense of even without any sources, really, is this smart? Is this not smart? Uh, you know, I was just discussing this with somebody uh, today. You know, in halacha, and even in other matters, <clears throat> and there's a lot of information out there today. There's a lot of information. Um, you know, you can find out what Ramosha Feinstein said about a certain case. <clears throat> you can learn sources. And if a person has a question, so it's very easy for a person who's maybe not so not so knowledgeable to get a lot of information. And you can Google something, you can find out information and say, okay, this is the halacha, this is the way I got to go. And then there's a story to back it up, and this person had a scenario, and here's the story, and here, you know, here's what he did, and therefore justify what you can justify literally anything. <clears throat> it's a problem. It's a problem because we're talking about people that don't really have the chacham embedded deeply inside of them. They're just kind of looking things up, looking up sources. Chachma is not a, a, a conglomeration of sources. That's not what it is. The, the Chacham is not the person who knows more sources than the next guy. That's not what Chachma is. It just came out. I was, I was playing around with this today. Um, so, you know, what's, what's happening with technology is, is incredible. Um, artificial intelligence, they call it. It's basically just computers. Uh, it sounds all sci-fi and like you know futuristic when you call it AI. You know, 
artificial intelligence. Essentially, it's a computer program that has you know good search capabilities. But they have now. There's there's something. It's a, it's a prototype um, where basically you can prompt this program to write something for you, and it'll write it for you. And it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And, and I I tried it today. I mean, I, I was playing around with it, and I you know at first I was just seeing what it can do. And I wrote in there, write a poem about Cole Jungleite learning. And I wrote those words, Cole Jungleite learning. And it wrote a poem, and it spit out a whole poem. And it, 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 I mean, the context was spot on. I mean, it talked about davening, and it talked about learning, and it talked about, and you know, it, it was, it was a little generic, but it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I was impressed. And and, and you could do this. Like he writes. <laughs> you, you can write songs. You can write poems. So then I actually got practical with it. I I, I did this today. I, um, there's an email I did. a certain donor that, that that pledged a bunch of money a while ago, and and I've been trying to collect from this donor and sent them a bunch of emails and. She hasn't been responding to my emails, so I typed in. I said, "Write an email to a donor that made a pledge and hasn't paid yet, and after repeatedly trying to to collect on it." And it wrote a very good email. Like it really, I tweaked it a little bit. I copied, I pasted, I sent it out. It was great. It was like, you know, more professional. So, does that mean that this system has chacham? Right. I mean. It can write that email better than I can. That's pretty smart, right? But the person who programmed it, all it's really doing is scouring the internet and finding answers. I mean, the, the person who programmed it just kind of told it how to search for things, right? So all the system's really doing is basically, it even says on there, it says it doesn't do well with things after like December 7th, 2021. It says like when you look at, because apparently the way the the, the system is written, like it, it it uses the information available on the internet from before this December seventh, twenty twenty one. So whatever was was posted after that, the system doesn't really know how to access yet. And then it's, it's a prototype, and they're gonna this stuff is coming, and it's it's gonna be everywhere, and people are gonna use it all over the place. And 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 um, I think it's a tremendous tool. I actually think it's it'll be very helpful. <laughs> Write me a report for my college. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Schools will have to adapt to that. No, like truly, schools will have to adapt to that because writing reports are going to be simple. I mean, you literally type it in, it'll spit it out for you, and it won't be plagiarized. And, and but it won't be your day. <laughs> correct. So, so right. So you're not just on test. I mean, it's not the testing. And correct. And and the value of writing reports is going to diminish unless you make them do it on the spot. But we'll have to adapt to it. There's no question about it. I mean, we've adapted to all sorts of technological advances. But but. Um, um, you know the sci-fi stuff. This stuff takes over the world. That's like in all the, the sci-fi. But but it's not at all chachma. It's not at all chachma because it doesn't have a deep understanding of anything. Um, it can't properly judge a situation. So so for example, when I was, I was talking to somebody about it, I said like, don't use this to write a letter to your spouse. <laughs> like that wouldn't work. Like when you need something that actually shows your pnim shows your in, internal essence, it won't work. Because it doesn't at all under, it doesn't understand anything internal. When you want to get from your heart, it, it can't talk to your heart. Don't use this to write a condolence letter to somebody you really care about. If it's a generic business colleague and you have to write a, a condolence letter, if it doesn't need to touch your heart, go for it. 
If it just needs to come from your brain, from your head, calculations, 100%. Use it, right? But the second you need something that actually shows your, your, the depth of your feeling, your emotions, your, your inner self, it, it, it's, it's hopelessly, uh, it, can't, it can't do that at all, right? Um, so that's, and that's, that's where, when you talk about the idea of Tavo Chachma Belibcha, letting the Chachma come into your heart, Das letting letting the das be be pleasant to your nefesh. Those words don't apply to computers, right? Computers don't have hearts, and they don't delight in the information. They don't find it pleasant the information that it's computing. That's where chachma resides. Chachma doesn't reside in the brain. Chachma doesn't reside in one's ability to calculate how quickly one can calculate. A person may not be very quick at processing information, but they can have a tremendous amount of chachma because their depth of perception, their depth of understanding, uh, which is in the lave and the nefesh, deep down within, with a sense of emotion, a, a pleasantness, a sweetness, as opposed to just a, uh, being a really, really quick computer. Um, but, but there are many things in the world that being a computer is perfectly adequate for, and I would, I, I, I know myself, I'm going to use this. Like, I'm going to use it um, because there's many situations where I, I don't need my heart in this. It's just like, I'm sending an invoice to a company. Like, I don't need my heart in that. Like, I'm just sending an invoice. You know, I would write a letter. So you write a letter. I just sit there, use my brain power and work for, 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 for 15 minutes to try to figure out how to properly craft it. I can, in one minute, I can type in a prompt and get the proper text, which is professional in nature and, and, and communicates what it is that I want to communicate and done. You know, so I, I think it's very useful for things like that. But anything that requires heart, it's called ChatGPT. Is the name of the program. The the, the 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 website, I guess, is a. It does more than that. Also, it also does it with images. Graphic designers are going to have a heyday with this as well. You can just create any image you want. It's 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 incredible, actually. Uh, I've heard people in past years complain from graphic designers complain that there's a lack of stock photos from kids. You know, to hire a photographer and take photos for your. Your thing, you know, I'm making a flyer for a Hanukkah event or whatever, and I want a picture of a from girl, you know, lighting a menorah, right? Whatever it is, there's not that many online, and 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 it's hard to find. The hire photographer is expensive and time consuming, right? So now these programs, you can put in prompts, and it'll basically create an image for you. It's incredible what it can do, and 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 um, it's uh, yeah. But again, what it won't do is is and again, this is profound, but but what it can't do is real art. And I'm going off on a tangent here, but it's worthwhile. I once heard from Ryan Lepiansky, I don't know if I share this here or not, the definition of art, the, the most profound definition of art ever, define art. What, what is art? Now everybody uses the term, we, we hold it sacred, what is it? What is art actually? Is art creativity? Like, what is art? So he defined it the following way. He says, art is the ability to... Uh, portray the infinite in something finite. That is the definition of art. The infinite meaning emotions, concepts, things which are really infinite, and capture them in finite mediums. Whether that's a canvas, whether that's a song, whether that's words on paper, prose, that's the definition of art. So if I sit there and take a picture 
of my kids, you know, whatever. I take a picture of somebody. I'm an amateur. I just take a snap of it. That's not art. That's just making a copy of what I saw. If somebody's a skilled photographer and they're able to set up a scene in a way where they can capture a feeling, a mood, an emotion, that's art, right? If I paint the color by number, that's not art. If I take my own vision of something, of the ocean, and I am able to express that onto a canvas, that's art, right? So when it comes to a computer can never do art because a computer cannot, by definition, grasp the infinite. A computer can only grasp the finite. So what a computer can do is take the finite and portray it in a, in a finite medium, right? A computer will never be able to do real art. Now, the problem is we're not so skilled to know what is art and what isn't art. We may confuse art for not art. That's a problem. So, you know, you'll see there was an article that came out a little bit, you know, an, an, an AI-created uh, painting, you know, won an art contest. Yeah, that's because we don't know what art is, right? Went up against Jackson Pollock. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, right, exactly, exactly. But so a computer, by definition, cannot do art. If that's the definition of art, a computer, by definition, can't do it uh, because a computer can't capture the infinite. Um, but that was just a little bit of a side. Okay. Yeah, how many times don't we see like amazing things, scenery, and we take a picture of it, and then you look at the picture and you're like, right. Oh, it's, yeah. Right. It's like that. It's missing. Right. That really isn't what it looked like. It was so because, much more. Because, again, taking that picture wasn't able to capture. Mm -hmm. You weren't capturing the infinite, you were just capturing the finite, mm -hmm. which, okay, so you captured the finite. You know, that's, that's not, uh, that's not, that's not anything. Um, yes, absolutely. Right. So again, the whole purpose of Mishli, I think, is trying to get us to those deeper levels. In other words, it's true. There are surface level knowledge, information, you know, that, that we can talk about. What Shlomo Melech is driving at in Mishle is not that. He, he's trying to push us towards the deeper levels of Chachmah, uh, which are which are things that are that are that are touching on the infinite and not just not just the finite. Okay. Pasuk Yur Aleph. Mizima Tishmar Alecha, a Design, wise design, meaning well-laid plans. Again, this is a, a product of having Chachmah. Well-laid plans will guard over you. Tavuna Tinsereka. Uh, understanding will safeguard you. So he's saying a, a byproduct of wisdom is that you'll have plans, well-laid plans, not just plans, but well-laid plans, and they'll protect you. They'll, they'll watch over you. Your understanding will guard you. Um... It's an interesting thing. I, I don't really. This is more of an open, open-ended question over here. I'm gonna leave it, leave it out there for. I, I don't really have an answer here, but leave it out there for somebody to maybe suggest something or think about it. The word mizima uh, means a plan, a plot, 
Um, zima also means immorality. Uh, and the Villagone kind of points this out. The word zima means immorality, and the word zima also means design, or well-laid plans, or a plot. The Villagone just makes the connection. He just says, that, you know, it's the same word. There's a connection between those words. Why is immorality... Um, and again, when I say zima immorality, it's usually referring to um, you know lust, that sort of thing, sensuality, that type of immorality. Why is that called? Why is it the same word as, as plotting, as having a well laid plan? Um, it's just an interesting connection there. The Villagone makes the connection, but he doesn't explain it as is usually his approach. He just kind of says things very uh, cryptically. I would think like if you are wanting to steal something. Mm -hmm. or wanting to have an affair with so-and-so, you're going to pot plan on how to do it so that you don't get caught. Okay, but that's not integral to, to the act itself. In other words, it's true that, that oftentimes somebody who commits those sort of acts has a plot, but that doesn't define it. In other words, it's possible to do it without a plot. You know, when we talk about a word for something, we're, we're, we're talking about its essence, you know. So, so the essence of, of immorality of lust isn't plotting. I mean, it would seem to be, you know, the, seemingly the essence of, of lust is lust. It's, you know, it's own thing. There's like design, you know, pl planning. Like, what, what's the? Uh, the only one makes the connection, but I, I don't. I don't have a good. I don't have a good answer. I'm just, I'm just putting it up. Okay. Fine. The next uh, few verses. The Vilnagon explains the following way. He, he, he says that these next few verses are telling us um, how Chachma protects us, ways the Chachma protects us, like the, the verse just said. Um, one, and, and, the, and the lack of Chachma harms us in three areas. The first one is in the area of, of Midos, of character. The second one is in the area of action. And the third is in the area of learning. Um, so in this first, the Chachma will make a person have good mythos, of good character, then it will also uh, give make sure a person's actions are, are correct, um, and then it will help a person learn properly. If not, uh, the converse will happen. That's what's going on in the next few psukim over here. Pasuk good base. It's like this. Pasuk good base. Lahatzilcha miderech ra. What Chachma does is it saves you from a derech ra, from an evil path, from a person who speaks uh, duplicitously. So we got circuitous, and now we got duplicitously. Um, so it'll save you from that path. Gimel says, <coughs> from those who forsake the path of the, the, the straight, to, to go in the path of those who go in the dark. And then um, the next one is those who are happy to do evil, those that rejoice with, um, again, duplicitous evil plans, that their ways are crooked, and they, are, they go astray with their circuitous paths. So we're kind of the flip side of what we said before, that Chachma 
keeps a person on, on a good path, on a straight path. And the opposite of that um, is that a person will be influenced by these people. So Chachmah saves a person from being influenced by all these different types of evil people. So let's point out some of the things here with these um, with the, these specific things that we're talking about. Um So it says we those that go those that go in darkness. So again, it's, it's, it's an analogy. Those that go in darkness. I, I once heard a. Um, he maybe even said it here. Brian Lepiansky once uh, was talking about what a kolo does for a city. It was, I don't know. If, I don't know if he said it here. Maybe he also said it. he was here probably about eight nine years ago. He spoke, <clears throat> but he said this in a different kolo. What a kolo does for a city. Um, so he, he brought a Gemara. The Gemara says like this. The Gemara says that it gives, gives a Moshe gives an analogy. You have a person who's traveling in the road and through a, through a dark forest at night and uh, there's a lot of dangers. Um, he could stumble. It's dark. He could stumble. He can, you know, fall into a hole. He can go off the road. <clears throat> he can trip. That's one danger. The second danger is that there's, there's animals, there's beasts that, that lurk in the, in the forest that can, that can attack him. And the third danger is that he's lost. If you're lost in a forest, you don't know where you're going. You're lost. <clears throat> so the Gemara says that once a person gets a candle, he's saved from the road. A small little candle, he can see where he's going and, and he won't trip over something. If a person then gets a torch, he'll scare off the animals, the animals will stay away. And then, once it becomes light, once the dawn breaks, then he'll be able to see where he's going and find his way out of the forest. <laughs> and the Gemara then says, this is compared to the, the Pasuk says, Kiner mitzvah v'torah ar, that mitzvah is like a candle, and the Torah is like the light. That the Gemara says that mitzvah save a person while you're doing them, but Torah saves a person while he's doing it and while he's not doing it. That's what the Gemara says. So, so what, 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 let's have a better understanding of what that means. So he said over a little, little anecdote. He said that um, his father was, was sick. His father passed away from, from an illness. <clears throat> so he was in a hospital in, in a uh, not a very good neighborhood in New York City. And he would, Rabbi would come visit him, you know. And, you know, it's New York City. It's, you know, three o'clock in the morning. He'd go outside, the place is alive. You know, people all over the place. It's happened. He remembers one day he had to go to a pharmacy or something and get some medication or whatever it was. And it was like 11.30 in the morning. And he goes to a local pharmacy. And the place is closed. It's closed. So it struck him. It's like these people are up all night. And they sleep during the day. So the guy will roll in at noon, whatever it is, and open up his store. So he was thinking about this. So, so what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Like, what's, what's wrong with being up all night? And where, where does it say that you can't stay up all night and, and sleep during the day? So, so he said like this. What, what, day, day means when you're productive. You're, you're living a productive life. You're going somewhere. You're doing things. So, okay, a person may slip, a person may stumble, a person may make mistakes, whatever it is, there's challenges. But as a whole, you're going somewhere. If it's night, if a person's awake at night and asleep during the day, it's not just a question of what are they doing wrong. 
they're not alive. Like they're not even living in, in, in the productive world. Like forget the fact that like, do I have to pinpoint what you're doing wrong if you're up all night and you sleep all, all day? Like when you have a society, you've experienced this society that was up all night and would sleep half the day. It's like, what are they doing wrong? What are they doing right? Like, like are, are, are they even alive? Are they even living a life of any sort of meaning and purpose? Right? A, a night is when you're supposed to be sleeping and day is when you're supposed to be productive and awake. Right? <clears throat> so, in the Gemara, that, you know, if what you're worried about is a specific stumble. Right? Okay, so a mitzvah can help you. If you're worried about a specific issue. So, okay, you can take a certain action to prevent yourself from that particular issue. That's a mitzvah. That's the world of mitzvahs. The world of mitzvahs is a world of actions where... I do this action, it'll prevent me from this, it'll prevent me from this, I can avoid this, I can avoid this. But then the question is, okay, but what world are you living in? Are you living during the day? Are you living at night? Are you living in an environment where there's purpose, where there's direction, where there's meaning? Or are you living in an environment where it's dark and we're not going anywhere? So he was, he was talking about what, what, a, what having a cold in a city does to the city. He said, it may be hard to pinpoint, you know, the mitzvah that the kolal does. Yes, people come and learn, and, but, but it may be hard to pinpoint the, the mitzvah per se. You know, a chesed organization is very easy. You know, here's the mitzvah. There's sick people. We bring them food and they eat. That's a mitzvah. It's very easy to pinpoint. This is what the organization does. They, they, they you know, <clears throat> with a kolal, it's not as easy to see. He said, but what a kolal does, Torah, it turns on the lights. It, it, it creates an environment that's going somewhere, Right. When you bring Torah to a, to, a, to a place, you bring Torah to a town, it's not night. The, the entire town, whatever they're doing, is now walking during the day as opposed to walking at night. It has that sort of an impact on the place. So you may not be able to sit there and pinpoint the mitzvah that it does. But that's the difference between mitzvah and Torah. Mitzvah, it, it protects while you're doing the mitzvah. But while you're not doing the mitzvah, has little effect. Right? T take not not during the mitzvah. So there's very little impact of that mitzvah, right? While you're doing the mitzvah, it's got a tremendous impact. But when you're not doing it, you're not doing it, right? Torah protects you while you're doing it and while you're not doing it. Torah is the daybreak. Torah is not, it's not the, it's not the candle, it's not the torch, it's the daylight. It's the daylight which permeates everything. It's the environment in which you're living. It creates the environment in which you're living. More so than just it does this particular action, this particular action, this particular action, it actually creates the environment in which you're living. So when he talks about over here, people that Chachma helps you avoid is people that are lelechas b'darach echoshech, in Yogimel. It helps you avoid people that go b'darach echoshech in paths of darkness. What does it mean people who walk in paths of darkness? So on a profound level, what that can mean is people who live could be very lit and, and, and daily lives, but they're, they're living in darkness. They're living without a sense of meaning, without a sense of purpose. Their entire lives, no matter how busy they are and how, how much is going on, it's a life of darkness. There's, there's no direction. There's no sense of, of mission. Um, whereas a life that, that comes in an environment of Torah is a life that is in the realm of light. Okay. <clears throat> Stop here. Um, next week, I will be away. I'm traveling next week, so, um, and I'm going probably not going to be able to 
do the class. If that changes, I will let you know, but I probably will not be able to do the class next week. Just uh, a lot of meetings and stuff like that. Okay. And then I won't be here the following.